And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 21 of PNR's This Old Marketing, coming to you from the small but incredibly cool, and as I know now, city-state of Singapore on Monday, April 7th of 2014. As we always say, if you'd be so kind, if you like our little weekly bundle of audio love, we'd love a review on iTunes. And we hope you'll consider subscribing via iTunes or Stitcher or FM Radio or on Channel 13 of your favorite airlines, in-flight entertainment system, whatever it takes. All of those subscription links can be found on thisoldmarketing.com, where you can also find the show notes and general coolness of all the stuff, all the stuff that we talk about there. And also, as always, and for the second time in as many weeks, I'm actually on location here in Singapore with my good friend, the mayor of the Malaysian content marketing world, Joe Polizzi. Hello, Joe. How are you, my friend? And welcome to Singapore. Robert, thank you so much. It's, uh, as we're learning, it's, this, is a, this is a great place to be. I'm, I'm, it's as beautiful. Oh, it's, uh, I, it's just so unique. And of course, you and I, that's why we're doing the podcast now. And we're going to go out later and sort of uh, our first trek through the through the city state that that is Singapore. Right. We're going to chew gum. We're going to chew gum and spit on the street. <laughs> now don't say that. I don't want to get get arrested now, but uh, but yeah, it's been it's been fun, of course. Um, what was your take on uh, Content Marketing World Sydney from last week? It was just such a wonderful event. I mean, first of all, it's in the beautiful city of Sydney, Australia, which I mean, I absolutely love that city to death. Um, they're probably sick of me saying it now because every Australian I met, I talked to them about how much I love that city, but you know the the event itself. This market, we've just watched this market blossom into this um, growing, growing thing, and they're so hungry for content marketing, and they're just taking to it so quickly. I mean, it was only a year ago that we were here uh, in Sydney, and we were talking about you know content marketing just coming in, and with Sydney behind, and all of this kind of stuff, and. Now, simply a year later, and it's it seems like it's just matured and grown, and it's just very exciting time to be. You know, it's it's interesting though. I mean, you and I both talk with a lot of the marketers there, and, and I, I love my Australian friends. It's fantastic. But in a lot of cases, we were getting the oh, we want more of the of the hands on, the nitty gritty, and then I would go back to how's your how's your strategy going, and they really didn't have a strategy. So it's it's yeah. interesting, right? They and I get that, right? And you got we you and I get it all the time. They want like how do I really uh, use YouTube as part of my strategy, and how do I distribute content and get enough, and more people uh, engaging in that content? But then you go back, and that's not linked to any kind of strategy at all. And I think that's our biggest. And by the way, there are a lot of smart marketers in Australia. I think that there are they're they're way ahead of where they think they are. As I always I always hear yeah, that. That's absolutely right. We true. always hear that. Oh, we're behind, and and. I don't know how far behind it is. I mean, I t- you talk to the agencies. Agencies would say, oh, this, this marketplace is two years behind. You talk to some of these smart people. Like, you know, we had Hel- Helen from, from AMP was, was fantastic and Brad from Seek. I mean, they, they've had some amazing presentations. So I don't think it's that far behind at all. No, and in fact, we're seeing them, I mean, to your point, um, in both making some of the same missteps as well as avoiding some of the missteps that we've seen in the U.S. market, for example. you know, So they're not getting hung up on all of the SEO stuff that we got hung up on uh, a couple of years ago. But to your point about the, the channels first, you know, I think it's that 
I think it's just a classic marketing thing of, you know, it's like the kids in the backseat. Are we there yet? Yep. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And they, you know, and, and they want to jump into getting their content out there as fast as they can. But in all cases, this is U.S. market, Europe, you know, Australia, everywhere. Everybody needs – in fact, we have a story on this this week, you know, how everybody needs to sort of take a step back and say strategy is really important and planning is really important and the idea of measuring twice and cutting once can really – can really save you a lot of time down the road. A lot of time, a lot well, of Well, and, and just before we get to the news, because I want to get on with it, because you and I have stuff to do today. But <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the, the one thing... Very well, important Here's stuff. the biggest difference. <laughs> Last year, it was more... Con- how do I do... Get more content in more channels and distribute out more, 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 more. And really, honestly, rarely heard that. Rarely heard the yeah. presenters talk about it. Rarely... It was, it was really right. a focus on quality. What are the... What, who are we targeting? Who's the audience? How do we integrate that with our marketing program? Uh, so that was was very uh, fun to hear, and 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 uh, I feel optimistic about what's going on in content marketing. Unlike some of the articles that I think we're going to talk about <laughs> today, so maybe that's a good foray yes. into uh, the news. It's a wonderful yep. segue. It's a wonderful segue. Yeah, if you like rants, you're going to get your fill this show for sure. Um, and our first one is just a doozy here. Um, it's an article that was written um, from our, uh, speaking of, you know, not being in the U.S., it was written uh, in the U.K. Um, on a website, Marketing Week. Um, and the headline is, content marketing is basically a meaningless buzzword. They didn't use the word basically. Uh, content marketing is a meaningless buzzword and needs to buzz off. Oh, that's um, nice. And, yeah, ex- so, uh, you know, welcome to the well, yeah. you know, welcome w- Would to you the say that cycle. to my face? That's what I... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it's an interview kind of, um, with uh, the writer who writes this article uh, and, and sort of starts this off with an interview with Christoph Fahey, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, chief marketing officer for a company called William Hill, which is a retailer in the UK, I suspect. Um, and basically the point of the article seems to be saying that you know content marketing really isn't any different than marketing. And basically it's, you know, there's, there, there's no reason for this buzzword to even exist at all. And we've been doing this forever and this is just a waste of time. And, and, and as they say, just yet another item for a conference agenda. And so what, what, what did you think about this article? Well, I have all kinds of problems with this article. I mean, first of all, it is different. It is. Oh, first of all, yeah. It's, is it all marketing? Absolutely. It's all marketing. So is mobile right. marketing. So is direct marketing. So is social media right. marketing. But we need to call it right. something so we know what the heck we're doing. So, I mean, that's just the one thing. And, and there's, there's the big problem that I have here. And I'll, I'll go to – I don't want to uh, steal your thunder here because I know you were going to talk about this a little bit as well. But uh, she says at the bottom – and that you and I were trying to figure out, what, is it the author or is this the, the person she's interviewing or the person who gave the speech? I can't figure it out. But basically she says content marketing isn't a discipline. Of course, I disagree with that. It's right. everything a brand does. Uh, if you think that content is everything a brand does, and you, you've, you've, I mean, come on, are you serious with that? I mean, this is uh, the 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 problem we're having is not with the term; it's understanding what the term means. Right. And exactly. we're talking about owned assets. This is about a this is about a brand out there that instead of advertising and trying to make the most of that advertising in a very short period of time and equate that to some kind of a value for the organization, 
We're talking about creating owned assets for a long period of time, content that we own, channels that we have some control over, subscribers that we can build long-term relationships with. That's very, very different than traditional marketing and content that's built within a traditional marketing framework. That's what I have the problem with. So it's not the term. I mean, you and I have talked about it. Is I don't care what you call it. Of course, I like that you call it content marketing because I think it helps us sure. just to be selfish about it. But I don't care what you call it. But I think we have to have an understanding that it is different. And it's not just taking content. Oh, content for mobile and content for print. The, the, the issue here is that right when this is in the middle of the article, and I want to get your take on this, says uh, the question shouldn't be what is my content marketing strategy in the same way that marketers shouldn't be asking what's my TV strategy. So she, the author calls content marketing a channel or equates it to a yep. channel. So what is your, what is your take on that? Well, I, you know, so, I mean, if this article is written in earnest, it makes me sad. It makes me sad that we're not communicating this. As a yeah. We need to do a better job, because, right? Like we it's, it's and, almost like right. we, we're at fault in a lot of this cause we're not doing a good job of explaining what this is. That's right. And, and, and if it's not written in earnest, in other words, if this is just literally for, you know, to, to get some link bait going on here, then, you know, then boo, basically. And so in either case, you're, I mean, this is just, it's just annoying that it, it, that it's equated to a channel strategy in the same way that, you know, we wouldn't call it direct mail marketing and we wouldn't call it, you know, TV marketing and we wouldn't call it PR. Yes, of course it's all marketing and we understand that. The, the, the thing that really annoys me is the the thing that I love so much about content marketing is the the shift that's happening in marketing more broadly which is this idea that marketing can actually be used to create value for the business rather than just describe it and this is something I talked about certainly in my talk at, at content marketing world Sydney but it's something that I absolutely passionately believe in which is the fundamental shift that's happening in marketing right now isn't content marketing necessarily of course we've talked I mean the namesake of our show is this old marketing. We know this approach, this discipline, and I will disagree with her as well on that, has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. The difference is, is that now that we have these publishing tools and now that we have all of this sort of democratization of content, the power that that gives us as marketers is to create value that goes beyond the product or service that we offer into the marketplace. We can actually create value assets, aggregate an audience, and basically create a much more interesting function for the marketing group. In other words, if you believe, and I actually went out and, and, and tracked down where this guy was speaking, and he was speaking at Advertising Week, all right, you know, okay, so <laughs> let's, let's talk about that for a second. Right, yeah. exactly. He was speaking at Advertising Week Europe, the event there, on a panel called Mobile Marketing. <laughs> so, you know, if, I mean, if we want to get into names here, but the point being that if we're going to look beyond what marketing does today, we have to look at how the way that consumers are consuming things, the way that consumers are coming decisions about products, the way that they're making decisions about what products to be loyal to, and that is fundamentally shifting. And if we don't shift, in other words, we don't change, if we just think, eh, it's just marketing, it's just advertising, we've always used content, that's just the way it's been, we will not, so to sort of paraphrase that last line there, you know, in other words, the last line she has is, if your organization is sprinting to the chase of content marketing, it's entering a race that is never likely to finish. If you don't actually start the race, you're going to be left at the starting line. And that's, you know, yep. that's my take on that. I, 
I think that we should go. <laughs> I, think that, I think that we should go on to the. Oh, here's, I guess, here's why you were why you're going through that rant. Here's what I'm thinking about. Traditionally, advertising, even mobile marketing, to an extent, can be controlled by a certain number of people involved in the marketing organization, right? Right. Content is unwieldy. Everyone right. in the organization. We talk about this all the time, right? I mean, I was at. Um, Boy, I can't remember what. Maybe it was AMA Brand Smart in Chicago. Maybe that's where I, it was one of those events. And I was talking with the person that runs human resources for a very large brand. And she's at a content marketing event because she's like, this is a very big issue for us because all of our employees can create content. And we're fr- trying to figure out how to manage it. This is this is unwieldy. And, this, and we have to figure yeah. out what the process is. And we're kind of stumbling along the way to get there. And I mean, and you, I mean, you have some great case studies that you're working on right now with brands that are really dealing with this because it's tough because everybody is in, in the organization is creating content and not much of that content is being used from a strategic standpoint. So that's right. Anyways, that's exactly there you right. Go. That's exactly right. Well, it's a, anyway, we should move on before we, before we like get all fired up here and, we, <laughs> and we're just drinking coffee at this point. So that's just it. By the way. Not, yeah, nothing fancy yet. Yeah. <laughs> Our next news item is a really a nice article, actually, one that I really, really just enjoyed reading, quite frankly. Um, and uh, the the article is why content marketers should step back from the creation and look at strategy. I mean, we just we just talked about this, you know, in our in our intro coming up here. And it's from Search Engine Watch, by the way. And of course, we'll put the link in the show notes. And I just really liked this because he goes through some research um, that's similar to ours, quite frankly, and talks about how really everybody's Very doing similar. content marketing yeah. these days, but really, really struggling to find the efficacy in it. And it's because they don't have the, the and, and it's just, they, he got the numbers and he puts them out there to show it, that they don't have a documented and sort of formalized strategy in the first place. And he makes this great point, which is the one we make all the time, that marketers and content marketers have got to step back from the creation of content. That sort of, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And look at strategy first. Did you have a take on this? So just to go back to Content Marketing World Sydney, because it obviously just happened, and you know in my opening keynote, I asked the question, how many of you have some kind of a documented content marketing strategy that you know about? And and on what you were there, you were in the back, and I think you and I were bantering as it was going. I said, what do you think, about 40%? Right. So right. about so of the most advanced audience in Sydney in Australia and Asia Pacific, four out of ten marketers have some kind of a documented content marketing strategy, which is actually very much in line with what our research says. Because I think the research says it's it's around forty to forty five percent, depending on which country you're looking at. That's one of the highest numbers we've seen in a in any of the talks that you and I have done. But still, let's let's get serious here. We're, everybody in that room and everybody here listening to this is creating some kind of content marketing program or trying to execute that, but very few have a strategy. And I think that this is what we're going to be doing for the next 9 to 12 months is helping people take a step back and say it's not, it's not creating all this content. It's not looking at every channel and needing to have. I mean, that was a big theme in the conference was maybe less channels is a better thing. Maybe right. you don't have to create content for nine different channels. Maybe you could focus on two to three. And you know what? You have audiences that are involved in different channels. And if you create content that's so shareable and so interesting, they'll end up sharing it in those channels. And you don't necessarily have to have a big presence there. And, of course, we've talked about that like Facebook recently on Facebook. Do you have to have a brand presence on Facebook anymore? And I'm starting to wonder 
maybe you don't. Maybe you just let your customers share the content wherever they are and make sure it's shareable on those platforms, but you don't have to have a big, robust, I have 5 million fans on Facebook because, you know, since Facebook isn't showing any of that content anyways and you're going to have to pay to play, why does it matter? Yeah, it's it's such a great point. I mean, because if, you know, I mean, going back to the, the article that we just did, you know, if content marketing really is going to mean something to our organization and not just be a buzzword and not just some, you know, trendy thing that we're, you know, trying to chase our tail on, it really does need to have a business purpose. And we're the first ones to admit that. And, you know, so when the dust settles, in other words, when you sort of jump up in the air and this big cloud of dust goes up and says, we need Facebook and we need Twitter and we need LinkedIn and we need a blog and we need a magazine and we need, you know, we need a new website and we need microsites and we need, you know, a print magazine and we need, you know, and you start thinking about all these things we need and you take a step back and then let that dust settle and say, what is the reason, you know, why, you know, ask ourselves why, why do we have, why do we want this to begin with? What part of the funnel are we trying to optimize? What parts of the funnel are we trying to optimize? And when we take that step back and really understand where content can be really effective, then it does become something more than just a buzzword. It really does become an integrated part of our business approach. And it starts to really put a reason, uh, you know, for going to all those different departments, just like you just talked about, and start to get your arms around the unwieldy part of that. Because if we understand why we're creating all this content, well, then we can at least go to those departments and go, can you help me? you know, aligns, you know, to strategies, not just, I need to control you, but I need to align yeah. with you and get that and, and get that alignment for a business purpose. But there's, so. there, there's, no, it's a great point. There's two things here. One, very few companies that we talk with have a clear why and a clear audience for every channel that they put content into. That's right. Very, very few. I mean, I would, I, even though you, you and I, we did that uh, executive, uh, uh, marketer meeting the day after content marketing world, which was sponsored by King content was a fantastic event. You know, half of those people were shaking their heads. I would yeah. seriously doubt that if we listed all, put the why on the top and listed all the channels, if they would have a clear audience and a clear why. The second thing is it's they're almost, we're almost always seeing multiple audience groups being targeted through a content program, depending on what the channel is. And you and I both know that if you're trying to target more than one audience with a particular content initiative, it's probably too watered down. Yeah. It's not gonna be relevant enough. It's gonna be middle of the road content and it's not gonna be successful. And that's why it's so difficult to do content marketing because it's not advertising. You're not trying to get, oh, how many of these people can we get? We're not going for masses. We're going for the one or the few. They're gonna make the most impact depending on what the buying cycle is or the journey or who we're targeting. And that's why this is so tough. And that's why sometimes you have 25 little itty bitty content marketing strategies running concurrently than one all encompassing content marketing strategy, which probably won't work because you simply can't do that today. Did I, did, am I a true geek? Because when you said the needs of the few outweigh the needs of the, I went right to a Star Trek. I went to right to Star Trek and Spock. So I know I'm thinking in there. I'm. Am I the one that's dying, or are you the one that's dying? Because it depends on which version. Are we going back to the original ones? Are oh, we no, going? To, going yeah. Are we the going, new ones that oh, switched we're going it around? With the new one, baby. Oh, we're going with the new one. I, I I love that movie so much. You don't even know how much I love that. I mean, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Oh, so. I love the new ones. And, oh, and of so, course, this so has become. Great. Let's talk about that. Let's go into some yeah. pop culture. Let's go some sci- sci-fi. We'll really throw the audience off here. 
Oh, God. Okay, moving on to yeah. our next news story. And yet, yeah, okay, so this one, we're going to have to, like, uh, really rein ourselves in here. So I'm not even making this headline up. I'm not even making it up. We got this big hat tip to Nanadzinet uh, for, for, for sending this on to us because this is – this. He, he when he wrote to us, he basically had a one word email to us that said, "Really?" <laughs> this is like you know, really? this can be our yeah. really with Seth and Amy kind of thing. Um, the new the headline, which comes from prdaily.com, I want you guys to remember that this this comes from prdaily.com. Press releases are the most trusted form of company communication, according to a new study. How about that, Joe? What do you think? <laughs> so when I. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I I apologize to the. I'm audience. not even making that headline up. To, it's like yeah. April. I checked to see if it was April Fools or not. I mean, breathe, it's, but it's not. Breathe in. Yeah. Breathe out. You know, the, the the here's here's the one. Whenever I see these studies, and this is a great practice for anyone to do, even with our own research that we do at CMI, check out the methodology. Right. So, and by the way, I don't think this is PR Daily's. No, no, no. It's not no, their research, no, right. no, but they're no, no, reporting right. on it. So That's let's correct. make sure we get the. Yeah, this is from Inc. House, Inc. House, right? And GMI. And GMI yeah. Uh, which I'm not sure where they're bent or what they're going after. But uh, if you read the fine print, this is GMI surveyed a thousand people in the U.S. ages 18 and plus between a, you know a week's time in January. That's right. You're talking about you. You target you. You talk to a thousand consumers. If you're talking to a thousand businesses. You can you can extrapolate a lot more than you can if you talk to a thousand human beings in existence in the United States. That's right. You cannot say that press releases are the most trusted. There's no way that that is quantitatively significant research. Oh well, but but you know here's the thing, Joe. Here's the the, the thing that I love. Now I didn't see the questionnaire, and I didn't see how they actually presented this yeah. question. But the thing that I love about that question because I actually then go down and look at the, the little infographic that they provide and they say basically so here's the choices you have so I'm going to ask you this question I'm going to ask you the question as at least as they presented here now it may be different than they, than they actually but I'm going to ask you the question as they actually presented here in the results yep. so Joe what kind of company news do you trust the most articles authored by the CEO a blog post by the CEO an ad or a press release. <laughs> That's your choices. That's the only choices you have. And then half of them, by the way, half of the people who said uh, none of the above, basically, had half the half the people, forty five percent said none of the above. And then the number one after that was thirty three percent. So even among those choices, only a third of the people said press releases. So I mean, it's just absolutely nutty to me. This article. <laughs> I, you know what? We need to just move on because this <laughs> we can't give this any more more press than, than what it is. And oh and, and by God. the way, and, and here here's a little lesson from this whole thing. And you want to yeah. know? And and by the way, hats off the GMI for for getting this out and getting it covered <laughs> by by a major media news outlet. Because right. you know what? Publishers and I don't know what Reagan's done. I mean, I I think that the folks at Reagan are good people. Oh, they're but great but people. let's be honest. But this is, and I'm going to make this uh, just relevant to what's happening in publishing. I know publishers that have cut back so much on the editors and the the fact checkers and the journalists. They're desperate for for news, and yeah. they'll take it from anywhere. 
And, and we benefit from this as well in a lot of cases. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And, I've know, and of course, and there's, there's brands out there that benefit because, you know, you want to get covered. So great. There's a platform and, and awesome to do that. So I just, there's an opportunity for brands because of what's happening on the, on the uh, traditional media side. But it, and also at the same place, you really, it's, it's really nerve-wracking. And this is why I truly believe, and you and I have talked about this many times, ultimately because there are so many more resources and so much more money on the brand side, brands will start to be the dominant distributor of content that most of us engage with on a daily basis. And, and this, this study says that's not true. Here, oh, I have to bring this up because I was flabbergasted in this one. <laughs> 70, 73%, the, the, the place that most U.S. citizens get their news from today is TV. Right. Are you kidding me? Right. I haven't seen that. Is this is this from '95? I was going to say, you know, they you know they they conducted this study in a mall down in Florida. Is when they is where they. Oh, that's <laughs> that's bad. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's right between. I I watched Cosby Show and then I watched Family Ties and Cheers, and then I I watched the eleven o'clock news at night. Right, you know. Right, and then uh, I got and then I turned on the AOL. <laughs> I don't know any of our, our friends don't watch TV. Like we watch, you know, sometimes we'll do the DVR thing and right. we'll, but I don't know many people that watch the news anymore. They, so I'm, anyways, that's it. Yeah. Go, what's yeah. the next topic? The next news item is one that I, you know, when I, when I read this, I just, I thought of you first of all, um, and because I just, so I love this story so oh, much. Um, and, and I think you're going to love it as well. And, and I think it's just fantastic. So the headline is a number of e-commerce sites are actually moving to print. This uh, article comes from Adweek this week, um, and it talks about how a number of the forward-leaning e-commerce sites, and they they mention Net-A-Porter and and uh, 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 a couple of the other ones, and they're talking about how these e-retailers, basically those that are really focused on e-commerce as sort of their main business, are actually starting to launch ad-supported magazines, print magazines. Um, and in the case of Net-A-Porter, they're actually launching a bi-monthly, but you pay for it. It's a $10 an issue, pricey fashion magazine, and it's actually being you know, run by the former Harper's Bazaar UK editor. And I just think this is such a wonderful thing. I mean, I, 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 when I read this article, I was like, yes, this is, you know, I mean, it's no surprise to me that e-commerce companies are kind of leaning forward here and really getting this. But to see this was just a, a real, it was just a real, really refreshing. Well, we, you know, we've talked about this before for a lot. I've been talking about, shoot, shoot, it seems like 10 years I've been talking about this since everybody's moved away. There's a couple things, as I read this, thanks for passing this on. There's a couple things that I took away from this is important. Let's just go back to paid, earned, and owned for a second. I mean, we talked about this at Content Marketing World Sydney. Paid media is the size of Jupiter, and owned media is the size of Pluto. It's not even a planet. Right. And we're talking about we're seeing a, um, a correction in the marketplace where paid is moving over because over the past 50 years, we've wrongly diversified or haven't diversified and, and paid, earn and own. And so they're all different sizes. And we really have to get back to uh, making more sense out of how we spend media. Now, that said, the same thing has happened to the uh, the tripod that is print media. Uh, versus uh, digital versus in-person. So if you said, in general, if you're looking at channels of content marketing, you've got three buckets. You've got digital, you've got print, you've got in-person. You could put mobile and, and social into digital, right? So you've got those yep. three. 
What we want to do is we want to diversify properly. Now, I'm not saying that digital and print need to be equal or events and print need, or, and, uh, print need to be the same. I'm not saying that, but we, have, we should have exposure in each one of those because most likely there's an opportunity for a particular target. What's happened over the past decade is everybody shoved everything. How many uh, print custom magazines have we seen that have moved away from print and have gone to digital with horrible results? Because yeah. it worked really well. I, I worked on some specifically in, in, uh, in the technology space that they said, oh, no, we got to go digital, got to go digital. And then two years later, they went back to print because it wasn't performing as well. And we've seen this with allrecipes.com as well. Yeah, A number exactly. of companies are doing this. So I think the lesson from anybody listening to this is, geez, don't put all your eggs in the digital basket. There is an opportunity for in-person content programs and print content programs if they make sense, if they're targeting the right program, and if we have any idea of how it's going to align with our strategies. I absolutely love this and i think we're hopefully going to see more of this and i think it's just now we're coming back to reality because we just got blinded by you know the the digital disco ball and uh and now we've got to come back to reality well and i'll tell one quick story here just to sort of tee this up as well for 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 a takeaway for those marketers who are like well i'm not e-commerce and i'm not you know really focused on doing a print magazine and it doesn't have to be a magazine you know the the, i love this story so much it's a financial services company small financial services company that decided that they wanted to really reach their client base which was basically a couple of hundred clients that they have and they deal with mostly bankers and wealth managers and investment people and really people who focus on very highly technical information on a day-to-day basis live and breathe their blackberries and looking at uh, stock information and are always in the you know staring into a computer screen and they actually did this it was a customer there was really a, a customer retention and loyalty program they put in place with this content print piece that they sent as a book club. And every month, they send all their clients, every single one of their clients, they send them a new book. And a print book, not a digital Kindle thing, a print book. And they actually send them the print book. And then they also send them this other beautiful print piece, which is not, you know, it's not mass produced or anything. They only print a couple of hundred copies of it, but it's very nicely designed. And it's basically a little bit of a, a you know, a, a, a book report, if you will, a, a, a nice abstract of two other books that they think that they might like, like a review. And the idea is, is that it's not about making them better investors. It's not about making them more educated about how to invest or how to be a better banker, et cetera. It's about how to be a better human. And they actually send them classic books and science fiction and comedy and government and education and all these wonderful books. And it's like a curated book program for these guys because they don't have enough time to know what they should be reading to be better humans. And it's constantly sourced as their, you know, three or four, top three or four items about why they retain their mm-hmm. clients on a yearly year basis. It's just an amazing program and I just I just love it. It's such a small, wonderful way to use content and print to engage a very small audience. It's just wonderful. Absolutely. I love that. I actually let's go into the next news article because i think that it's really what you just said is so relevant to the next news article now do we have to give a disclaimer on the next <laughs> well, one i mean seriously. <laughs> we need to be we need to be careful about the words we use i think because it'll be i mean especially with my double entendre sort of leaning mind it's going to be hard not to make puns here yeah this is an article that comes from the mediabriefing.com and it's called the dangerous ground of being in the middle 
Um, and it's just such a wonderful lesson. Now, here's the reason that we're sort of uh, jockeying around. Oh, my God, I'm already starting. Um, so <laughs> the, is the is the... The sort the content here is pornography. is It's a it's a a magazine here. So the, just really quickly here, the the, the idea is, is that I'm, there's a magazine called Nuts, and I'm not going to describe to you what this magazine does. But basically, they're killing the publisher is killing the magazine, and the reason cited is because there's this been an awash of content. I mean, you talk about content shock. You know, pornography uh, on the internet is is just you know the the amount of it is you talk about content shock and it's just there. And the interesting thing is is that the, what they're finding is is that these publishers are finding that success is coming not in the middle. In other words, not with a washing you know the the uh, the you know great amounts of content through their magazines, but in finding these niche, very very niche uh, places where they can go, and that's where the success is on the edge. And the article is basically this mass lesson and how you can, you know, that failure is really by staying in the middle and, and going toward that sort of massive audience that would be in the bell curve. But rather success is to be found on the edges and in the niche areas where you can actually differentiate yourself with content. So I know it's very, I'm talking around the topic here, but the article is just a wonderful sort of lesson for marketers and a huge takeaway about how it's better to be different and talking about something that a few people care about rather than trying to go right down the middle yeah. and, 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 and reach the mass audience. The, yeah, I, well, this is, this is a really good lesson because if you are a content marketer today, you have to make the decision, I think, high-end, which we like, right? We want high-quality, high-impact, really niche audience, going to make a difference. We see a behavior change. That, that, we like that. Or you could, there is a strategy out there to go super, super low-end, Answer every possible question on the face of the earth around your audience. You've got content coming out the yin yang. It's, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's a strategy, right? You could, you could actually do that and, and go. But if you're in the middle and you're, uh, you're mediocre content or you're just like everyone else, or we talk, we had a, um, one of our, not our customers, but we had a conversation with some of the other day. Their content was just like their seven other competitors. Right. And, and and so nobody's going to notice or, or see uh, any any improvement on what they're trying to do with that. So the one thing that I wanted to say and, and I and I want to be careful because I love, of course, we have a really good friend, Jay Bear, uh, a great book on utility. And he basically utility talks about something useful. And then you've got Marcus Sheridan, another great friend of, of Content Marketing Institute, talks about, you know, really low hanging fruit, answering your customers questions. This was brought up in our little executive roundtable we had Thursday of last week was just answering questions and just doing that type of content is almost like been there, done that. Right. Aren't we, aren't we sort of there now? And we almost have to look at that's been done in our marketplace for the most part, unless we're super, super, super niche, which hopefully we can be, but do, do we have to think about, about really telling a different story now to a very particular audience? Well, we do, and it doesn't, you know. So, I mean, to, to to exactly your point with Marcus and Jay, and 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 all of the people who talk about, you know, basically being content in service, you know, all of them would say valuable content, right? Yeah. So Jay Jay talks about, you know, content so good you'd pay for it. Yes. Uh, Marcus talks about, you know, being the most valuable expert in your industry, and the question becomes, which questions are we answering, right? So, in other words, 
if you just go copy paste your 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 competitor's FAQ and sort of then reword it as your own, that's just ridiculous and useless uh, ultimately. And if you ultimately uh, answer the questions in a different way with that's a point it. of view that sort of, in other words, it's not just about facts, and it's about answering the questions in a way that that you know it, this is the same as curation, right? So there is there is very little these days use in curating your industry's content into a portal that you don't add some level of point of view to. Well, what I, you don't, I'm sorry, yeah, go, go ahead. I, I didn't want to cut you off, but I, the one thing, but I'm going to, I guess. The one, yeah, the one, this brings up Tim Washer. Tim Washer's closing presentation was exactly what you're talking about because he said nobody cares about the facts. Right. We have to tell a story that is completely engaged. Yes, we'll put in some facts, but we've got to tell a story around that from our angle that's really going to make an impact. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, and then it comes back to why, right? This comes back to my sort of four archetypes of the content creation process, which is understanding why we're creating this content in the first place. It may be that all we're trying to do is be useful because there's an absolute part of the funnel where the our buyers are looking for nothing other than usefulness. They're just trying to understand how to or the reasons behind or the facts. In other words, they're doing research, they're trying to build a case, they're, whatever that is. That's a very particular part of the funnel. If we're trying to change a belief or if we're trying to win somebody over in an emotional, a fact isn't going to do that. And as I say in my presentation, facts don't change beliefs. That's just the way it is. And so there's a reason that we do useful content that's factual based and there's a reason that we do content that's emotionally based and there's an overlap between both of those things, of course. And so that's the real key here is, is that even when we're being factually based, how do we do it in a way that gets our point of view, our unique and differentiated point of view across and doesn't just deliver an encyclopedia? I'm with you, man. I'm, I, I just, uh, I'm just a little concerned that we're going to have the link to this article in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> there's it's actually an it's it's a safer work article there's no I think, well you know i'm a little with with with, it, with, with google being on the rampage these days i'm a little oh, con- a i have point. to I have to say i'm a little concerned we're gonna do it and it'd be a great story if we get blocked how about that there you go there you go <laughs> we're gonna do it for you guys for you the audience of this we show have a higher we're purpose gonna do this. <laughs> it's not okay, the well. needs of the many it's oh, nice. there it is. It is the needs of the future. Oh, it is whatever. Or the it one. Oh, it's the it opposite. The, well, it reverses. So, yeah. I mean, not to get back on Star Trek. Okay. Oh, there you go. It is now the time, the favorite part of our show, our rants and rave section of our show, where Joe and I actually go off on a bit of a rant or a bit of a rave, depending on something we've seen. I don't think we've had any short supply of that this week, but uh, we both have a little bit of a rant and rave this week. Um, Joe, you want to tee off uh, your your uh, your rant this week? Well, I've got I've got a, I've got a rant and a look a little informational segment here that I think is really important. The the one it's not a really a rant. I just think it's interesting when you're in the event business. Last year at Content Marketing World Sydney, all the feedback was we want more U.S. speakers. Bring more U.S. speakers. We're behind. Please do. So, of course, as you know, we brought in a ton of, I flew in a ton of U.S. speakers <laughs> to flood Content Marketing World Sydney. And then I get the feedback forms. And what do they say? They want more Australian speakers next year. So, anyways, I, I'm trying. <laughs> Sydney, I'm trying to do what you want. We're, we're working on it. But, anyways, I just that's just part of being in the event business. My little informational uh, thing here, and, and I don't think we have enough time to cover it here. But hats no. off to our creative director, Joe Kalinowski, for sending this on. 
and he sent us a link to a podcast from The Nerdist. And by the way, we're going to link to this in the show notes, and it, it absolutely has some, some profanity throughout. So if you don't like any kind of profanity, do not listen to this. But it's the uh, there's some really good information in here about there's a, a patent. Uh, basically, there's a legal team that's out that says they have a patent on podcasting. Patent trolls. Patent trolls. I'm sorry. Patent trolls. And they're going after podcasters. And Adam Carolla, formerly of The Man Show, now a very, very popular podcaster as well as the Nerdist podcast. You know, they're going after Adam Carolla, who's already spent $50,000 of his own money trying to defend this. And they're saying that the episodic nature of audio content is under uh, patent license. And us podcasters are going to have to start paying for it at some time. And they're starting to go after people like Adam Carolla. You and I, we talked over breakfast this morning that we think this is a, an important enough issue that we probably need to go more in detail next week. So we're going to do yeah. some more research on this and kind yeah. of find out because we're obviously, we're promoting uh, podcasts as an opportunity because I think that, and Michael Stelzner says this really well in some of his research from Social Media Examiner. He says that podcasting is one of the few forms right now where there are uh, more more people listening than content uh, out there to be engaged in. There's not a lot of content creators in podcasting right now. So there's an opportunity like ours. You know, we got traction pretty quickly with our podcast because, there's, I mean, let's be honest, there's not as much competition as there is, let's say, on the web. So right. this is really important. We're going to cover it in more detail. So we'll link, link this in the show notes and, and hats off to, to Joe Kay for sending this to us. And, and I think this is important enough. We'll cover it in the future. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, mine, I'm going to keep really short. Um, it's a rave, actually. Um, and I just, it was an article that I read that I absolutely loved because it just sort of feeds into something that I've been raving about a little bit of late, which is this idea that more is not the answer, uh, especially in today's marketing. More is not it. It is not about going viral. It is not about making more audience. It is about creating the right audience, the more engaged audience. And this is an article that came out of USA Today. So I feel even a little weird <laughs> with that. <laughs> So, um, so, uh, but it was just a great article. So, yeah, so consider the source. Um, it comes from USA Today, and it was basically this article about, the, the, it was a question, how much is internet traffic worth? And this guy basically goes on, and, the, and the, his angle on the article is, is, is really talking about, uh, you know, just really how useless internet traffic measurement is. And he makes the comparison, which he says, you know, basically, if you go out and you Google 100 million uniques a month, you'll come up with all these websites that basically um, claiming to have 100 million unique visitors per month. And as he says, that's a Super Bowl size. It's more than a Super Bowl size audience. And he says, if this was really true, that these people had the same kind of audience, same numbers at a Super Bowl, why aren't they earning the same kind of money that the Super Bowl is earning? Why aren't we paying a million dollars for an ad on Buzzworthy? Um, you know, or BuzzFeed rather, and Upworthy, and all of these kinds of sites that are claiming this. And this comes back to a article that appeared in the Wall Street Journal that sort of talked about how a third of internet traffic might actually be phony, and blah blah blah. And it ultimately it, it doesn't matter, as he says, it really doesn't matter, right? As he says in the article, reality can't be too far. This is a quote: Reality can't be too far behind. Either it's all a monster fraud, a mirage, or it doesn't matter. When an audience of 100 million becomes ho-hum and commonplace, this suggests that an audience is not so much a loyal following, but a commodity. 
and Jeff Roars talks about this in his in his book Audience, and it, it, we've we've talked about this before. Content marketing world. This is such an important concept to get for us as marketers. The difference between us and trying to go out and build this giant audience and a media company is that we are trying to build the right audience, the, the an engaged audience, and an, an audience that's going to actually do something. So understanding that it's no longer, clicks are meaningless unless they actually mean something. And so we've got to determine what that meaning is and just really get beyond this idea that we need more and more and more, and it's about better, better, better. And so I just love this. I love this article as a takeaway lesson. You know, the, the just real quickly, which I think is interesting, I love this article. And, but the the more is not better is actually happening on the media side too because less and yeah, less of, absolutely less and less of their advertising is based off of eyeballs. Um, the other yeah. thing is, and and that's why it's important to link. If you're really interested in this, they talk about how a number of publishers, and I know this firsthand because I've talked with a number number of the publishers out there that say they're getting a hundred million blah blah blah. They pay for traffic. Yeah, don't, of don't think that it's all happening organically and shared. Don't think that BuzzFeed is getting all that organically. They are heavily paying for traffic on a number of sites. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's happening. But it's so funny when I get into conversations with brand marketers and they think, oh, but these publishers, they get it all organically. No, they don't. Yeah, they, they're, they, they're I mean, paying just like you. They're paying, and, and what you all you're trying to do is you're trying to pay for a little bit less and you, you monetize it on the site, and then you've got ROI. Uh, so there yeah. you go. Good, good article. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, and, and, and so this brings us to the, the segment of our show that is the namesake of our show, This Old Marketing. And this week we have an example that I really, really liked, um, mainly because it's a technology company. And I have to give a hat tip to David Held uh, of Border States, who is a former client um, of, of CMI on the advisory basis and, and good friend of the show and good friend, of, of course, the, of CMI working up there in the <laughs> nether regions of the Dakotas um, on border states content marketing programs. And he actually sent us this one. It's a really wonderful one. It's a, about a company called New Tech, N-E-E-W-T-E-K. They're a technology company. They're based in Texas. And they basically help – they've been around for a long time, and they, they help video editors. Um, and so they're a B2B company helping video editors add graphics, right? So the graphics that you see on news shows or in the front of Entertainment Tonight or those kinds of things – Used to be super expensive to do to that those those types of television graphics, and they basically created a technology uh, called Video Toaster back in the day, which really brought down the cost uh, of those those kinds of special effects in video from you know basically something like the hundred thousand dollar mark to like the four thousand dollar mark. So they really took you know a ninety six percent or whatever uh, cut out of the cost of creating those kind of computer graphics. So it was basically a revolutionary new way for these companies to do this. So they were out there tra- changing beliefs, and this is sort of going back to 1988. And they actually had a magazine, and they put out this magazine consistently called New Techniques Magazine. And it was really directed toward, very, and talking about a niche user base, it was directed toward the offline and online user community of these people who were this, you know, th- these kind of video editor graphics people. So very, very special niche types of people. And the magazine, and then they also had an associated website that sort of went with it that sort of built a community around it, um, owned by this company, uh, uh, a, a sort of parent company, Advanstar. Basically, they showcased how to do these, these graphics, and they had daily updates, and they created sort of how-tos to create these new graphics and how to do uh, new video, you know, these new techniques to create 
uh, uh, new packages for video graphics and how to open shows and, and all that, and case studies and all this stuff. This magazine, for you know, roughly 12 years, um, created this new community for these new graphics producers to sort of completely change the paradigm by which they had thought they were actually going to market. And the reason I, that's the reason I loved it is because it's a really it was a completely disruptive space. I mean, if you think about all of the new technologies that are coming in today and disrupting things that are either super expensive for us to do, like podcasting and creating audio files that go out to you know, or video or animation or you know, just think of anything that's really disrupting something that's really expensive. And these guys created a content marketing approach using a print magazine and a website to really change the beliefs of the people that were in that community so that they would actually believe that this new way was the way to go. Because you might expect they were going to get objections to this new way and all that kind of stuff. It's just a, it's a wonderful story. And we'll, of course, we'll put the, the, uh, the, the link in the show notes. And, and, and my only question, Robert, is we, I know it, it went from 88 to 99. Did it, we don't know why it stopped or what the... We don't, I don't know why it stopped. And, and David, and I'm actually, I, one of my questions back to him was, was why did they stop? And he actually left the company at that point. So I don't think he maybe even knows why okay. they ultimately stopped it. But but yeah, they ultimately did stop it, and I'm not sure why they why they maybe they maybe they felt like they had reached their mass and you know their critical mass and didn't need it anymore, or or maybe they went all web and stopped the print magazine. I'm not really sure. All right, so um, yeah. you know it's interesting. You and I talked beforehand and said let's do this podcast quick, and we. <laughs> Yeah. We never, and we still go in fifty minutes. We're we still always, go 50 we can't, yeah. we can't. Hey, folks, even though we're gonna, we're gonna plan for thirty minutes, we always go fifty. That's the kind of yeah. value we bring. <laughs> so what's under uh, promise and over deliver? Yeah, exactly. So, so what do we, what do we got? We're, um, well, we're both here in Singapore, we're, we're so we've here. got a big event tomorrow. We got uh, content marketing Asia tomorrow. I open it up yeah. with the opening keynote. You close it down with the closing keynote. So, yeah, uh, and then uh, then we're headed back uh, home, and then we're I'm home. going, and then home, and home, then, home, home. It's been a while. Home. I know this Excited is excited to be home. This yeah. is a long trip, and then I'm going on a little uh, little mini golf uh, trip with my dad and two of my best friends. So that'll be. That'll be fun. Uh, you got, are you going to just stay home for a while then? I'm going to spend a little time with the wife and the dog, and just uh, and just yeah, and just uh, just just curl up and and you know and, and just relax a little bit. Yeah, I mean this has been not that this has been terribly hard work. You and I were talking last week about you know if this is working for a living, you know we're 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 getting away with something here. Um, but you know the. the it will be good to be home for a while. I, I, I'm with you on that. Absolutely looking forward to, to getting home. All right, then. Well, that is it for this week. For Joe Polizzi, this is Robert Rose signing off. And remember, if you'd like your question answered on the show, tag us on Twitter at hashtag thisoldmarketing or send us an email to thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com. This was episode number 21. Also, if you like this episode, we hope you'll consider subscribing via iTunes or Stitcher.com. All those links are on the show notes available at thisoldmarketing.com. Remember, folks, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.